0: The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of New York Presbyterian Hospital or Columbia University Irving Medical Center. You're listening to Taking It to Heart with the Columbia Valve Team, a podcast where we discuss the advancements and treatments for patients with structural heart and valve disease, Welcome everyone. Again, yep. we are, uh, graced by the presence of our royalty and our valve center. We have Dr. Sashil Kadali, Dr. Rebecca Hahn, and Dr. Mark Levin, who has shown up in between rounds today to help us understand some of the latest uh, exciting data that came out of TCT. Um, this is our valve uh, taking it to heart podcast. Uh, again, we're really excited to, to restart here and, and talk about some um, some very important topics. So we're gonna start today with the low-risk randomized TAVR trials, both uh, partner uh, five-year data, as well as Evolute four-year data was presented at TCT uh, just a few weeks ago, and a lot of interesting data coming out of, both of these trials. So a um, couple of main highlights, we had, uh, again, um, uh, a primary endpoint on the partner side of um, all-cause death, stroke, and rehospitalization. Uh, at one year, we we saw that originally TAVR was certainly uh, numerically better than surgery. Out to five years now, we have you know very similar outcomes in the primary endpoint. Uh, in terms of all-cause death, we also see very similar outcomes. Numerically, TAVR may be a little bit higher. Those curves crossed at 36 months, so three years. Overall, cardiovascular death was basically the same, Um, really hard to distinguish. Uh, And then some interesting issues in terms of why people died, both in cardiovascular and non-cardiovascular causes. Uh, Cardiovascular causes were kind of spread across the board in TAVR and surgery Uh, from things like, you know, a couple of acute MIs, one or two cardiac arrests, um, maybe a few more sudden cardiac deaths in the TAVR side, probably not so surprising. And then a varying number of weird things on the non-cardiovascular side, you know, cancer, COVID, some, some strange stuff, but, um, but overall, uh, really impressive data at five years, all cause death in these groups. Was very low, you know, ten percent or or less. Um, so excellent, excellent results overall. Um, other primary endpoints, uh, we have things like, um, you know, pacemakers overall very low, similar across um, across the treatment arms. Endocarditis, uh, you know, very very low. Valve thrombosis slightly higher with Taver. Uh, but at five years, again, only 2.5%. AFib, certainly worse with surgery. Pacemakers, you know, 10 to 13% in both groups. I, you know, I want to get everyone's thought here, but this trial data, you know, looked very, very good to me. And Becky, I'll let you comment on the echo part, but you know, no real major um major concerns from the endpoints. They were all very stable. The valve, you know, hemodynamics were were very good and didn't look worse. You know, there was some concern about the crossing of the curves from uh the tavern side, but uh really hard to make heads or tails of it. Um and so I think for me, you know, zero to five years is overall pretty reassuring. I don't see too much that's different, but I also am not sure. I mean, hopefully, we'll see that the five to ten year data yields some um, some useful information um, that helps us guide this. But right now, this is this is overall a win for for all of our patients. So I'll open up the floor to everybody to make some comments.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you 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 you've hit all the high points for the partner three five year results. Um, and what uh you know most surgeons say which is that you really need a tenure, the 10-year 10 outcomes to to make really any comment about um any differences should they exist uh, between surgery and tabra but but as you say um I, I think and you know from what i heard at tct it was it was all it was all very positive you know the um, I think there was an effort made initially to try and figure out why the curves um seem to cross at least for um or for all cause death, although um you know the for the primary outcome, I mean that they, they they just seem to be or for heart heart failure hospitalization, they seem to be narrowing but not really not really um crossing. so there's there's a number of things that. That I think are exceedingly positive um, for both surgery and TAVR in in the low risk uh, population. And as you say, at, at five years, the all cause mortality is very low, um, and and something that uh, really is a is a, a tribute to both the surgeons and the operators for uh, for TAVR in the trial.
0: You know, one of the things, Sashil, I I look at this data and I keep trying to figure out what does all cause mortality mean in these trials? Is this really useful? You know, do I really care that someone, you know, nine people died of cancer after TAVR? Should we just restrict this data to, um, to cardiovascular mortality or re interventions or, you know, more heart clinically useful things. These are 75 year olds. They, they probably have a a 3% risk of dying, eating at our cafeteria. How do we interpret this? If we have this mixed data,
2: I mean, I think it's a great point. I was just about to say I mean, people associate low risk with younger patients. This is still a reasonably elderly population in this trial, and, and events do occur. Um, and ideally, you know, we're trying to focus on cardiovascular, but the, part of the challenge is how do you, you know, the adjudication of sometimes of these events can be challenging. So that's why, you know, you know dead or alive is easy to count. Is it cardiovascular or non-cardiovascular? People will start to debate. If someone, you know, and so I think that's why it, it's a sim, it's a much simpler tool to say dead or alive. And, and and so that's why we use it. But you're right, as you get to an older population and competing risks, um, even if they're a low risk population, I think that's an important consideration. I mean, I think the fundamental question is, do, does this data change practice or how we think about tower? In the end, we all know that, you know, uh, people use the analogy, tie goes the runner. If, if, even if the, if the data is equivalent, Non-invasive, less invasive procedure is always going to win, whether it's TAVR or surgery or laparoscopic versus open, you know, all these things. So, you know, I, I think at this point, it, the data looks good, but we're all sort of trying to a- ask that 10-year data point and 10-year question. And we all extrapolate what we think about it. And that's where it gets into this sort of lifetime management. Because I, I think I'll go back to you and um, Mark and, and Becky, um, does ta- if we can, if Taver if you're going to factor Taver into the algorithm of decision making, does Taver have to be superior to surgery, equivalent to surgery, or is it okay if they're slightly inferior in terms of durability to surgery?
3: I, you know, I would think, you know, with the lifetime management, if you have these five-year results, it does, I, I guess, like you're saying, the tie goes to the runner in terms of Taver and the less invasive strategy that at least, you know, you're not Losing an opportunity for saver, or you know, in a person that's low risk or relatively uh, healthier individual than most of our TAVR population, that you'll gain at least be equivalent in those five years, or not significantly worse, and delay them and put them into a maybe a valve and valve situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like that. You know, that you that you we can at least say for the low risk population, and as you say, Sushil, that does not mean younger than 65 right it does that is not this population and it's it's really important to remember that that less than 10% of all patients in all the partner trials were 65 or less and we cannot make any comment as to younger age group our guidelines are very clear that those are surgical patients those those patients need to have surgery but at least in the patients you know in this age group which again the mean age was 73 74 something like that um, yeah, you have, you have equivalence, as Mark said. And, and, uh, that means that, that you can start thinking about, uh, down the line and, and lifetime management and valve and valve. And then the surgery, perhaps in their 80s, which will then take them the rest of the way, right? Because then the surgeon, the surgical valve will last, uh, you know, another five to 10 years. And then there you can do another valve and valve. So. That would yeah. be one surgery, you know, at the age yeah. of 73 to take you to 90 plus.
2: But I guess my my one question or point is that I think this data is important, but it, it, it's important in how we use it and interpret it. So my feeling is, say at we get the 10-year data and TAVR has a slightly higher failure rate at 10 years in terms of bioprescent welfare. I'm not saying it does, but let's say it does. Let's say it's, you know, it, whatever numbers we want to throw out there at, 15% versus 6%. I don't know the numbers, but what they're going to end up being. You know, if if that, if that a patient at 75 who's low risk is going to get 10 years, but because of the size valve we put in and their sinus anatomy and root anatomy, I can do a second valve, I'm okay. It doesn't mean that TAVR is a bad choice because it's not going to be as durable as surgery in that patient. Uh, and I think we have to sort of be cautious about, you know, the data is important for us to interpret in the clinical context. and. You know, when you're talking about someone in their 70s, it's different than someone that's in their that's 60 years old is my only point.
0: So let's talk about superiority here. So I'm going to bring up the Evolute uh, low-risk four-year four results, and that was also presented by Mike Reardon, and um, their primary endpoint was different, all-cause mortality and disabling stroke. And at four years' time, these curves continue to show some differences between Taver and Saver in preference. Are in favor of of TAVR. so fourteen um, percent versus ten percent in this group. You know, all cause mortality very similar to partner overall. Actually, the mortality maybe a little bit, a little bit higher in both the the TAVR and the surgical arms. Actually, uh, disabling stroke also just a slight bit higher, but you know the differences were enough for for TAVR, um, in this trial to reach superiority. Uh, just at 0.05, which um, is uh, is nicely uh, at the right level, um, surprisingly. Um, but uh, you know, some other endpoints that were interesting and and you, important to know: um, hospitalization overall low, um, myocardial infarction low, permanent pacemakers were were quite different. And so when we look at the evolute, uh, we look at maybe some slightly lower uh, hemodynamic numbers in terms of gradients and larger valve areas, but a permanent pacemaker rate at five years of 25% um, and reinterventions overall low in this group. So overall, you know, and, and PVL, by the way, in both groups, and again, this is 2017, 2016, 2017, when we're doing these trials, the mild PVL rate in both the, the Evolut and Sapien arms was Sixteen to nineteen percent. I find that incredible.
1: Well, but you got to back up there because uh, when we presented the uh, Echo, uh, the Echo data, uh, we looked at mortality, and there was no mortality signal. Um, uh, you know, I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have like anybody with severe, so we had to do moderate and above. Uh, but there wasn't a signal for mortality with mild. So I, I just, yes, of course, we have mild. Uh, we didn't have any severe. Um, and we had like a, a like five, literally, uh, with moderate. And and all of those patients, um, actually, my recollection is had survived to the five years. So um, my point you know, back there's back no back- signal. So I, I don't know what to tell you. Yes, of course, there's a little bit of PBL.
0: You know, my point is that I think it's incredible that it's it's so low. I mean, back in the day, we used to get more. And now, you know, we have these generation valves that are third generation and we're getting really amazing PVL results. And I, I agree. It's hard. It's hard for me to see that mild is going to be significant unless we've misgraded it. That's the only situation in these trials. If we, you know, mistakenly call it mild and it's more moderate just because we have a bad echo. But
1: well, I mean, the, tr- the trials won't get it wrong. You mean whether or not the sites, clinical sites, get it wrong, right? The trial. We we, we we this is a core lab adjudicated uh, data, so this is we're reading it the same on every single. That's what you use a core lab for is to uni- unify, you know, make uniform the reads. But whether or not sites will read, you know, moderate as mild, um, that that that's a different that's a different story. Fair
0: point. But I mean, here, again, we have another trial that, that looks overall pretty good. And, and I think we're going to need to get some more, you know, five to 10 year data to kind of figure out how this informs valve decision. Um, but I think across the board, pretty pretty amazing results. Um, I mean, and- I think,
2: Isaac, one of the challenges, you know, that you raised, and I think it's important for people to acknowledge is the decision-making from a patient perspective is not going to be one factor. I mean, the, for the patient, the, from the patient perspective, it's one factor. Do I get my chest cut open or not? But it's on the physician side to sort of look at all of the factors. You know, what kind of result do I think I'm going to get? You know, wh- what what kind of result do I need to get for this patient? If this valve fails, what am I going to do? Um, you know, and and that... that Takes into consideration is it bicuspid, whether it's asymmetric calcium or not. These trials aren't answering those questions for us. Those are still clinical decisions that we're all making based on experience. Because these trials in general sort of had a homogeneous population of a tricuspid valve. Right? So
0: Rachel, do you think are you making decisions differently in a 70-year-old, a 65-year-old in terms of all of these considerations, whether it's Uh, durability, whether it's valve performance, whether it's usability of a valve, whether it's coronary access. Is this decision-making process significantly different based on anatomy? Is it based on a longevity of a patient? Is it based on age? What, how are you making this decision? Or is it every man for himself trying to decide all of these things, you know, there's, is there some algorithm that a a non-expert user can use?
2: I'm just going to say yes. Because I think the reality is you have to take into account all of those things you raise, right? I mean, it's but it's also based on our experience and what we know and what we feel comfortable with. So I think of like lifetime management as a big component, especially as I get to younger patients where I'm thinking I need 15 to 20 years. But, you know, I think physicians also probably overestimate patient survival. I mean, I when I talk to a 75-year-old, what is the likelihood they're going to live 15 years? I don't, you know, I think we have to sort of be realistic about it. But I, we, we are always uh, sometimes afraid of, you know, we don't want to leave patients without an option. So we start thinking about what are valve and valve options. So I think the first thing is, is the patient anatomically suitable for TAVR? And for us, you know, there's different factors that we consider that are different than other sites may. Is it horizontal? Is it bicuspid? is there a calcified STJ, you know, all those things, we may look at it differently than other sites, site, but that's based on our experience. And that's what people are gonna to have to do because the trials themselves aren't gonna be able to answer all of these anatomic questions. And that comes from experience.
3: Sorry, I think at some level, having seen, you know, different operators use the same valves, I think, you know, there may be textbook answers as to like, calcium use this valve and risk of heart block use this valve, et cetera. But some of it is definitely operator skill with particular devices and familiarity, and that will always have to be individualized into your decision of what valve you use. I would think.
0: Yeah, great point, um, Becky. Final thoughts, and we're going to wrap up here.
1: Uh, no, I mean, I think um, you know the 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 two results were very interesting. Obviously, if you um, when you when you look at the curves uh, for all cost mortality. Going just to four years in the partner trial, they are stupendous. Um, you know, surgery had an all-cause mortality of only 5.6 percent, um, and TAVR only 7 percent. So, I mean, it just it it you know if you're comparing apples to apples, um, the, the outcomes from from both trials were a win to tell you the truth for TAVR. Um, but I think again, that, um, longer term data, uh, will, will help us, uh, just, you know, make better decisions as far as, uh, surgery versus tavern, in this low risk population, but we shouldn't be making, we shouldn't be, you know, um, using this data to move into the younger population that, that we cannot do yet.
0: Really? Wow. Provocative statements. So.
1: We, oh,
2: you t- can, Isaac you, you let
1: you let, it, you let an imager
2: get the last word on this was that you yeah, come on be- Becky See, you, wow, Isaac, let you, is. Isaac let you finish it up and and said taver can't be used in younger patients
1: no 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 I'm <laughs> just saying we could we shouldn't be 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 uh, using this data to justify the use of taver in younger patients. We do not have that data yet. All the partner trials, of all the partner trials, less than 10% were 65 or younger. Yeah,
2: I, I agree. The number of patients that I see that, that we treat that, that are six, younger than 65 right now at Tapper is really small. But I think, I just are, feel it's really an anatomic base. If there's a 70-year-old that has a heavily calcified type 1 bicuspid with a calcified raphe and a small root, that patient, I don't care what, you know, in general, if they're low risk to get surgery, because that anatomy is dictating surgery. Anyway, I think we're already over time, and I just interrupted Isaac sort of trying to close it out. So. Okay.
0: No, I mean, look, these are all great points and great comments, and and I'm not um, putting one, anyone on the spot. I, I do think that I, I wish that, you know, some of the data was a little bit more varied in the low risk trial. I wish we had some some slightly lower patient um age numbers, because I agree, we have this data gap and now, you know, we're like stuck with the fact that we have a decent number of low risk patients that are tri leaflet that would have been good for Taver and we just don't have the data. And I don't see a great mechanism to get that data in the future. Um, so, but anyway, that's, that's where we are. And, um, the discussion, you know, will remain a, uh, a an active discussion for another 10, probably, hundred years actually (laughs) all right well thanks everyone um we look forward to the next one